The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful Filipino valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with racketeers and saboteurs, risking his life that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, Lady of Intrigue. The Green Hornet strikes again. Fighting men of the Coast Guard must be relieved of their shore duty so that important convoy and invasion operations may be carried out. And as fast as they go, their places must be filled by SPARS, the Women's Reserve of the United States Coast Guard. The advantages for a young girl in the SPARS are many. The pay is excellent, specially designed uniforms are provided free of charge, and an interesting and active life is offered. Recruits are trained in Palm Beach, Florida and then assigned to various bases throughout the country. Any woman between the ages of 20 and 36 who has had at least two years of high school and has no children under 18 is eligible for service with the SPARS. Apply today at your nearest Coast Guard office or recruiting station or write directly to the Commandant, U.S. Coast Guard, Washington, D.C. And now, the Green Hornet. Varna Clare had risen quickly to the top ranks in the acting profession. Her beauty, of course, had been an asset from the start. But it was through the efforts of highly paid press agents that she had reached the pinnacle to which many aspired. People had already ceased to question how a struggling young actress could afford to hire such press agents as those who had made her famous. They remembered only that she was the great Varna Clare, whose name was on the lips of the nation... Varna Clare, who was giving her time and talents touring the camps to entertain the servicemen. Oh, you were wonderful, <laughs> Miss Clare. Wonderful. Oh, thank you, Major Barry. Oh, I'm so glad the boys have enjoyed my little offering. <laughs> oh, they're such an appreciative audience, really, they are. Well, why shouldn't they be when the beautiful Varna Clare comes to entertain them? Oh, Major, you say such nice things. After all, I enjoy appearing before those wonderful boys. It's I who should feel honored. <laughs> well, have it your way, Miss Clare. Do you really have to go back to the city tonight? Can't you stay over at the hostess house and go back in the morning? Oh, thank you, Major, but I, I really must go back to town. If I thought these boys were to be here for a while longer, perhaps I could come out again. Oh, this particular group was so responsive. Well, I'm afraid they won't be here much longer, Miss Clare. 
They'll be moving out. Oh, what a disappointment. Will they be leaving very soon? Mm, quite soon. Uh, that's all I can tell you. Oh, I understand. Well, I'll come out sometime after new men arrive. Well, that'll be fine. I'll let you know. And thank you again for coming out. It's been a great treat for all of us. Oh, goodbye, Major. And good luck to you and all your boys. The next afternoon, in the living room of Barnaclare's apartment in the city, she was entertaining a guest. So you think those troops will move out from the nearby camp this week, Havana? I feel certain of it, Victor. The Major said they were leaving very soon. But wasn't it rather stupid of you, Varna, not to question some of the men? You, above all people, could have asked them questions without creating suspicion. You forget, Victor, that I'm the great Varna Clare. I couldn't be expected to become too intimate with the men in the ranks. Tommy Rutt, you're also Fräulein Wirt, trained for the work you're expected to do as a Nazi spy. Of course, Victor, you need not to remind me. But you must let me work in my own way. Oh, come, Victor. Don't look so displeased with your little Varna. Please. Oh, Varna. When you talk like that, what can I do? And you are so beautiful. No wonder the Americans have gone crazy over you. <laughs> now you're talking like my victor, not like an official. I wish I could forget that I'm an official, as you call it. But in wartime, such things cannot be forgotten. So far, you've given me some excellent information. Little do they know how we find out about troop and convoy movements. Oh, they wouldn't suspect Varna Clare of that, I'm sure. <laughs> no wonder you're really a great actress, Varna. Even off the stage. That exquisite face and form of yours hides a cold, hard heart. Which is as it should be, of course. Victor, that certainly isn't complimentary. It wasn't meant to be. But I do compliment you on your good work for our cause, Varna. The famous Matahari will be forgotten in our German history when your exploits are made known. Matahari? But, but Victor, she was caught and executed. Yes. And should you forget your purpose here and seek too much glory only as the great Varna Clare, then you too may be caught. Taking such a large convoy through is quite a responsibility, isn't it, Commander? Indeed it is, Major. I wouldn't want to be in charge of it. I'd be a nervous wreck, I'm afraid. Is this what you'd call a rough-going, Commander? <laughs> no. No, Major, this is more or less usual for the North Atlantic at this time. You don't mind it after you're used to it. You take in the middle of the winter, for instance. I... on the port bow! Full speed ahead. All hands to battle stations. Full Submarine. speed ahead! All hands I'll get down to my men. <laughs> until Mr. Reed finds out you've been drinking. Drinking, is it? Me who never dropped a drink. I, I mean, never drink to drop. I, oh, say, no. You got me all mixed up, that you have. <laughs> you were right the first time, Axford. Casey, I'm not speaking to you from this minute on. I'm insulted, that I am. Is that a problem? Don't ask any questions. I'm not speaking, as I said before. All right. 
I'll keep quiet if you do. Cassie. I say, Cassie. Do I hear somebody calling me? If you'll say you're sorry for insulting me, I'll say I'm sorry for what I said to you. Oh, I see. Now you're sorry you called me beautiful, is that it? I suppose you mean I'm homely. No, no, I didn't say that. Whatever I said, just forget it and... Uh... Maybe you can let me have, say, a dollar or two till tomorrow, maybe? So that explains why you came in calling me beautiful, huh, Axford? Why don't you budget your pay so you'll eat the day before payday? Look, when I get married, I'll get the lectures. All I want from you is yes or no. Why, Axford, well, this is so sudden. You Hold on, I... wait a minute. What I mean is, yes, you'll lend me two <laughs> bucks or no, you won't turn me down. Now, which is it? Well, either way, I see you win. All right, here. You're not that more like it, sir. I did mean what I said about not talking to you, Casey. Yeah. I wish you had. I'd have saved two dollars. Yeah, someday I'll get even that, I will. What are you mumbling about, Axford? Oh, nothing, Reed, nothing at all. Hey, wait a minute, Reed. What are you looking at? There, on the back of your paper, a picture of Varna Clare. Ah, what a Colleen. So that's the way she affects you, huh? Why don't you take a look at it? Well, I've seen her many times in person, Axford. Anyhow, I'm reading more important things than write-ups about Varna Clare. Like, uh, what, for instance? Well, those sinkings in the North Atlantic, Axford. This incorporated press article states that the authorities think information's leaking out about troop movements. Oh, is that so? Who's giving it out, I wonder? Well, that's what they'd all like to know, Axford. Oh, by the way, there's a reception being given from, uh, for some of the survivors of one of the ships that was sunk a while back. Three men, one of them, Major Barry. Major Barry? Yes, he was written up as quite a hero. Remember, he stayed with the ship getting his men off until it went down. He and the two with him were given up for lost, but they were picked up later. Oh, that guy. Sure, I remember now. I, uh, thought you'd like to go interview well, him. No, why can't Lowry go? The I, reception uh... is at the apartment of Varna Clare. I, uh, forgot to mention that, I believe. Oh, it is, is it? Well, now, there's no use. Lowry wasting his time. I'll go after all. <laughs> I thought you would. Be over there this afternoon at 5 o'clock and get a good story from Barry if you can. What is the name, please? Uh, Michael Axford from the Daily Sentinel. Well, I'm sorry, sir. This isn't the Daily Sentinel. You had the wrong address. Hey, wait a minute. I'm Michael Axford, and I work for the Daily Sentinel. You get it? Oh, yes, of course. We get all the papers. If you go now, there are other guests who have Listen, Stiffneck. I came here to see Major Barry. I'm a reporter, and my name's Michael Axford. Now, let me in and close the door. Oh, oh, yes. Come right in, Mr. Barry. I'll tell Miss Claire you've arrived. Uh, pardon, please. Mr. Barry, to see you, Major Axford. Yes, yes, of course. Sure, the old coach crazy's alone, that he is. So you're the gentleman Peterson was talking about. I'm Miss Claire. Sure, and I'd know you anywhere, Miss Claire. That I would know. Poor Peterson gets everything mixed up, so. <laughs> but he's so trustworthy, and he's been with me so long. Sure, I... I guess anybody'd go daffy being around you, Miss Claire. I beg your pardon. Uh, what I mean is, well, you're so... Uh, uh, sure, I, I can't find words fine enough to say it. That I can't. 
Oh, what a quaint compliment. What did you say your name is? Uh, Michael Axford, ma'am, from the Daily Sentinel. I came to see Major Barry. Oh, he is Major Barry. Uh, Major, this is Mr. Axford from the Daily Sentinel. He's most anxious to meet you. Well, how do you do, Mr. Axford? Well, hi, Major. <laughs> so, no, you got a strong grip there that you have, Major. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Miss Clare said you wanted to see me about something? Major, this is a newspaper report. It's an interview he wants. Well, I really haven't anything to say. Oh, no, ain't that too bad. No girlfriend to talk about, maybe? Someone who saw you off when you started from camp, Major? <laughs> well, the last girl I talked to before I left camp was Miss Clare. But she couldn't be termed my girlfriend, sad to say. She was entertaining in camp that night. Oh, you're quite gallant as usual, Major. <laughs> Will you have cocktails? Uh, no, thank you, Peter. Uh, no, not right now. Uh, sure, and I don't care if I do, my good man. But I'm sorry you don't care for him, sir. Hey, no, that guy would drive me batty, that he would. Oh, really, Mr. Axford, you must forgive Peterson. He's so forgetful. I'll go get you a cocktail. Uh, now, ain't that something? Me, Michael Axford, being waited on by the great Varna Clare herself. <laughs> well, she's beautiful, all right. And very patriotic, too. She's entertained in most every camp and training center in the country. I, uh, I think she likes you. Is that so? Hey, no, I, um, I think I'd better find her and help her get that cocktail. Uh, see you later, Major. <laughs> all right, Mr. Axford. <laughs> He's a nice guy, but he's always laughing at nothing. Uh, uh. Oh, there's Miss Clare, out there in the porch. But I tell you, this is terrific. We're going to start putting two and two together and find out that right after I visit a camp, something happens. We will look out for the risks, Barna. You will do just as we direct. Time is valuable. Information right now, very vital. Who's that? The reporter. Come here, you. Say now, are you maybe addressing me? Would it be or not, I'm asking? Never mind the double talk. Why were you standing there listening to our conversation? Miss Clare, who is this guy, if I may be asking? He's a friend of mine, Mr. Axford. He's concerned because he thinks you may have misunderstood what we were saying. You mean about it being risky for you to go to the camps because they put two and two together? And about information being vital or something? Holy crow, what am I saying? Say, if what I'm saying agrees with what I'm thinking, then there's something screwy going on. Why that you... And I'm almost believing that's a real gun I'm seeing. It is a gun. Get going, you imbecile. Eh. What is all this? I'd like to know. You better do as he says, Mr. Axford. Go with it. And quietly. I warn you. If you don't, he's capable of shooting you down in cold blood right here and now. <laughs> We'll continue our Green Hornet adventure in just a minute. A lot of us seem to have the idea that terms like ceiling price, rationing, brown and red stamps are wartime words adopted for the sole purpose of confusing us. Well, I suppose they are confusing. A trip to the grocer these days entails much more than selecting food for the family. But there are mighty good reasons for putting these words into our vocabulary. Take the matter of ceiling prices. Without them, not only would prices skyrocket, but many people would find they couldn't buy their fair share of necessities. All stores are required to post in a prominent place the official list of ceiling prices, so you can check this list while doing your shopping. If you'd like a list to have at home, get in touch with your local rationing board. Keep this part of the home front pledge so that food can continue to fight for freedom. And now back to our story. <laughs> Thank you. 
That night, after waiting to hear the results of Axford's interview, Britt Reed became impatient and had Miss Case phone Vonna Claire's apartment. Well, Miss Case, what did you find out? Well, I talked to the butler first. He said he'd never heard of Mr. Axford. So I finally talked to Miss Claire herself. She said she remembered a reporter being there from the Daily Sentinel, but that he'd left some time ago. She said all her guests were gone. And she sounded very displeased at being disturbed. Uh, she would. It's funny Axford didn't get back. You say you called police headquarters? Yes. Sergeant Burke said he hadn't been there. He added that he hoped he wouldn't be. <laughs> well, Axford and Burke get along like a couple of high school rivals. Any more calls you want me to make, Mr. Reed? No, Miss Case. I'll wait a little longer for Axford. You go ahead home. All right. I'll go out and get my things. It's funny Axford didn't phone in his story. If he got one. I'll wait another half hour. And if he doesn't come in, I'll go on home. And believe me, he'd better have a good reason when I do see him. Yes, Axford had better have a very good reason. The next morning... Britt Reed arrived at the Sentinel building and stopped to talk to Miss Case in the outer office. Has anybody had any word from Axford that you know of, Miss Case? From Axford? Well, don't tell me you haven't seen or heard from him since he left here yesterday. That's right, I haven't. He lives at my place, you know, and he didn't come home last night. Mr. Reed, maybe something's happened to him. An accident, I mean. Could be, though I think we've heard something about it. However, I think you'd better call the hospitals and contact Sergeant Burke in case he's heard anything. Yes, Mr. Reed. I'll get on it right away. In the meantime, I think I'll run over to Miss Clare's apartment and see what I can find out about him there. I'm rather worried about Axford, and I don't mind admitting it. Yes? What can I do for you, sir? Well, I'd like to have a few words with Miss Clare. Uh, tell her Mr. Britt Reed's calling. Mr. Reed? Well, I, I don't believe he's here. I'm Mr. Reed. Oh, so you are. Come right in, sir. Thank you. I'll take your hat. Thanks. Well, now, will you tell Miss Clare I'm here? Miss Clare? Oh, you came to see Miss Clare. Well, perhaps I don't speak clearly. I did come to see Miss Clare. Varna Clare. Oh, but... Miss Clare isn't here, sir. Why didn't you say so in the first place? Will you give me my hat, please? Oh, your hat, of course. That butler must be either stupid or crazy. Here's your hat, sir. Thanks. Hey, this isn't my hat. It's much too big for... Axford. It's Axford hat. And that's one thing he never went without. Britt Reed questioned the butler without avail in regard to Axford's whereabouts. That evening, he went to his apartment, where Cato, his faithful Filipino valet, and the only person knowing his identity as the Green Hornet, was waiting. You think Axford not just forget to take hat, Mr. Britt? Not Axford, Cato. You know as well as I do, he wears his hat all the time. Only takes it off when he has to. I have a feeling that that apartment has something to do with his disappearance. I'm going back there to look it over more thoroughly. Miss Clare might interfere. Well, Barna Clare's entertaining at the Naval Training Center. She probably won't be home until late. Black Beauty's already. Also, gas gun and the mask. Good. The Green Hornet's going to find out not only where Axford went, but also why he disappeared, Cato. Come on. It's up to the Green Hornet to clear up this mystery once and for all. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in his bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment house itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street, though supposedly abandoned... This building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. 
Red Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Arriving in the alley behind Barna Claire's apartment building, Britt Reed left the Black Beauty and, by way of the fire stairs, made his way to the service door of Varna's apartment. Using a skeleton key, he quietly entered. After making certain that the butler was in the servant's room, Britt Reed went to Miss Claire's private sitting room and, by the aid of a flashlight, started to search her desk. I don't know what I expect to find, but there must be some clue to get. She's coming in here. Let's see. What's in there? A bathroom. I'll hide in here. It's my only chance. Hurry, Peterson. I haven't much time. Why, my dear ma'am. Has Victor Ruff called me? Well, it seems to me someone did come here, ma'am, but then I don't think it was Mr. Rasker. Or was it? Oh, I don't know why I ever keep you around, Peterson, except that you're too forgetful to remember things you shouldn't. But you don't remember things you should either. Yes, ma'am. Perhaps I should say no, ma'am. Oh, keep quiet. You're so exasperating. Of course, Miss Claire, if you say so. Well, I do say so. Get my coat out of the closet and put this wrap in there and hurry. Uh, Yes, yes, your coat, of course. Here's your wrap, ma'am. I just gave that to you to put away, Peterson. Oh, never mind. I'll keep the wrap. I'm going upstairs to Mr. Rusk's apartment. While I'm gone, put clean towels in the bathroom and be sure to see that the private service entrance in the kitchen is locked. Sometimes, Peterson, I wonder if you're not smarter than you seem. I'll be back shortly. Now, let me see. Oh, yes, put clean tiles in the kitchen and lock the bathroom door. There. Now, I must remember to put tiles in the kitchen before I forget it. Well, locked in. That guy certainly goes out of his way to do things wrong gone to the apartment of a man named Rusk. Must be in this building. She said she was going up. I've got to find a way out of here. A small window. Let's see. Ten stories above the street. Wait a minute. That ledge must be about two feet wide, and it runs around the building just under this window. I'll have to risk it. Here goes. One little slip of the foot on that, and both Britt Reed and the Green Hornet will be gone from this good earth forever. Sure, it is just my luck to be nothing but a flatfoot. While Cassidy and Clancy ride around in the squad car all night. Oh, well, I. Hey, what the. Looks like a guy up there about to commit suicide or something. I'd better call headquarters right away. Meantime, in the apartment above the one occupied by Miss Clare, Axford, tied hand and foot, was lying on a bed in Rusk's bedroom. Ah, that must be Varna now. I'll leave you in here, Mr. Reporter. Miss Clare and I have some business to discuss. Some more spy business, no doubt. Remember, if you don't remain quiet, it'll not be well for you. If the police do start a hunt for that reporter, it's increasingly dangerous for us to keep in this building. 
Well, it took you long enough to open the door. Come in, Varner, my dear. Is that reporter still here? Yes, in the bedroom. But he won't be here long. What's the news you have this time? Several squadrons of air pilots are leaving from the training center day after tomorrow. Well, piece together with other news we've gathered. I believe another convoy is getting ready to move out. Who can that be? I'll see. With this gun in my hand. Oh, Mr. Ask, this gentleman wishes to see you. Carl, why didn't you come here directly? Come in. I thought you meant come to Varna's place. This dope brought me up here. Well, of course, sir. Where's the guy you want me to take out of here? In the bedroom. Peterson, you can go on downstairs now. Very well, sir. Shall I show you the way? Victor, this man is crazy. I assure you, sir, Mr. Victor is quite sane. Peterson, go to my apartment at once. Oh. Oh, yes, of course. Well, how strange. Do you wish to see someone? What's he talking about? Outside, Who? stupid. The mess, man. Grab him, Peterson. Oh, I got him. Hey, not me, jump cut. Hold it, all of you. Oh, no, we won't. I'll shoot. Take it, Nazi. Oh, Carl, do something. This dope is holding me. Well, that makes it easier for me. Here. Yes. Shall I let him drop, sir? Peterson, you are a fool. Oh. Grab this man. Go on, next lady. Maybe Peterson will catch you. Don't you dare. Don't you realize who I am? No. Oh, I, I'll catch you, Miss Claire. Oh, I dropped Carl. See, I caught you. Oh, my, she's quite limp, sir. Oh, people are coming, I believe. Axford, hey, he's all right. The police are coming, so I'll get out. Yes, yes, of course, sir. Huh. I think you're a nut, Peterson, but you're sure a help. So long. Hey, what's going on in here? Hey, ain't that Varna Claire? Uh, of course. She, she doesn't feel well, sir. It's Ashford. Go get him, Mulligan. Okay, Sarge. Bring him out here, Mulligan. Now, you. What's this all about, anyway? Well, it, it is rather confusing, isn't it? Say, what are you trying to... T- that Claire's name is a spy, and so are the mothers. I heard them plotting, and he has papers and things in his pocket. They're to blame for all the sinkings and such. Glory be. Ashford, you're a hero or something. And believe me, Reed will be glad to see you. He's having a fit about you. Uh-oh. Maybe I lose my job for not getting that interview with Barry. <laughs> what a man, Ashford. Say, you haven't any more sense than this guy here. Who is he, anyhow? Ah, that's Miss Claire's butler, a dope if there ever was one. Can't remember a thing. Oh, but you're wrong, Mr. Barry. I remember the man with the mask and that peculiar gas. The Green Hornet he's speaking of. Then he was in with them, too. Whatever his name was, he was in, but he got out. Did I hear you mention the Green Hornet, sir? That you did, me good man. Well, well, sir, you're the Green Hornet. You know, I never expected to make you acquaintance. Uh, What's the use? Come on, Sarge. Get them spies out of here. You can take that butler along and make a cop out of him. He's just your type. Both you go haywire when you meet up with the Green Hornet. one of those who believe the war is all over but the fighting, that we have all the equipment needed for the final blow, think this over. In order to transport a single marine division for the storming of a single Pacific island, 
the Navy must use at least 13 ships of 10,000 tons each, plus the smaller craft that must complement this fleet. The capture of each one of these islands calls for an amphibious invasion, and either the attacking force wipes out the Japanese garrison, or it's thrown back into the sea. It's all or nothing. A few extra landing craft may well spell the difference between victory and defeat. The Navy's all-important landing craft schedules must be kept if these invasions are to be successful. It means that we still have a big job on our hands here at home. Be sure to listen to The Green Hornet next week at this same time. These copyrighted dramas originate in the studios of WXYZ Detroit. All characters, names, places, and incidents are fictitious. Bob Height speaking. This is the Blue Network.